Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more. So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started. Great Scott! It's time for another episode of Pint Glass Preachers. I'm your host, Tom O'Neill, and with me are Gabe and Josh. Today we go where no man, our podcast, has gone before, the topic of futurism. So strap in, don't get cocky, kid, and may the odds be ever in your favor. Is that actually a true statement, that no podcast has addressed the topic of futurism? I don't know. It seems like... Josh, don't, don't be critical. That was one of his best intros. No, it was. I'm just saying. Was like I, I really feel like, good. I feel like we need to have someone on research and development find out if we're making actually Where's, false or where true is false claims. Where is our R&D team? Exactly. We, <laughs> is there anyone in here who's doing production? Who is in charge of If you of go production? to HillaryClinton.com, you can fact check everything. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. Lord. Uh, well, I'm not going to apologize for Tom's intro this week because it was quite smooth, but it was I really good Tom. Yeah, but, and but topical. I, I'm, it was, and sort of festive. I liked the great Scott at the beginning. It made me all of a sudden grab my attention. Um, before I make what this, today, though? Yeah, well, I was going to say before I make this massive apology to all of you listeners, I was going to ask you what you were drinking, Gabe, but if you just want to jump the gun, go, go right ahead. I'm sorry. I'm very impatient. So today, I think I was just excited because I'm not drinking beer. Um, you were clinking your having, eyes super loudly. Clinking my eyes. I'm having a G&T, uh, the old gin and tonic. Uh, I actually had some pre-marriage counseling uh, this, this evening, and I met with the couple at a bar, so I had some, some brews there. So I switched it up to the G&T per our recording purposes this evening. Nice. That's all Gosh. I got. I'm using, yeah, using a little New Amsterdam. It's not the best gin, but it's the best bottle. I don't know if you've ever seen the design for it. It's amazing. Yeah, they're really nice. I mean, it starts with a square, and then they kind of shave off the corners a little bit there. Exactly, exactly. It's it's amazing. We're going to digress here a little bit, but, you know, I like to think that I know my gins, and New Amsterdam, you're right, isn't like the greatest gin in the world, but it's really cheap, and it's very different than a a lot of gins. A lot of gins use juniper and a lot of more of your floral kind of herbal mm-hmm. kind of things. Uh, New Amsterdam is much more citrusy, and so it yep. just gives you a different a different, different gin and tonic. I like it. I like it. What do you got tonight, Tom? Everybody learned. Uh, well, I am I am way lowbrow than that. Uh, I am going with a North Dakota uh, tradition. I am drinking apple pie, oh. uh, which, is, which is just the greatest apple drink ever infused with Everclear, and... Uh, it's fantastic. So you won't be joining us the second half of tonight's episode, Tom? <laughs> That's right. And Tom will be passed out for the remainder of the episode. I, 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 will, uh, I will be good to go for the next 20 minutes. 
<laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Expecting well, big things, Tom. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I was just sharing with you guys that my wife and my children are all out of town. So I invited a special guest to join me this evening. Uh, the knockout IPA from Fat Bottom Brewing Company. Oh, Ooh. nice. Racy. I know, I know. Um, a while ago, if you listeners remember, I tried their ruby red, red ale, and it was pretty good. So I thought I'd give this knockout IPA a shot, and it's quite delicious. Can our musical guest then be be queen so that we can do Fat Bottom Girls? I mean... We could, but we'd if we probably get drink, sued. If you keep drinking that beer. Hey, if there's words I live by, it's better to ask forgiveness than ask permission. And so did you say that to the judge when the RIAA slapped a lawsuit on you for your Napster downloads? Listen, homie, I live in the suburbs. They still no haven't caught you. Me. Still nope. haven't caught you. Nope. Well, we were caught red-handed uh, because if you listen to the end of our previous episode, Gabe and I had Nobody listens to the end of our podcast. All three of you. I'm making an assumption that <laughs> aside from Janet O'Neill, at least one of you listening to this now, listen to the last 30 seconds of our previous episode on morality. And in it, Gabe and I were so excited because we were going to get to see each other in person in Austin, Texas for the 5-2 conference. And we were going to podcast a live episode from there. And all of our plans were grandiose. And yep, you guessed it. We didn't follow through. So, our bad. Um, Story of my life. It would have been cool, but because we didn't, now we just sound less cool. So, we'll try to be better uh, for the three of you who hear the last 10 seconds of the episodes to, I don't know, maybe be honest about what we're talking about next. Yeah, and and we do want to work on that. We did, Josh and I did get to see each other. We had a great uh, week at, at the 5-2 National Conference. I think it went well. I, I got to speak. Um, felt what, pretty what good about it. What is the 5-2 Conference for all of our listeners who are not Lutheran pastors who are hip and cool? That's an excellent question. <laughs> so uh, so it's a, 5-2 is a network that was, was started by a guy outside of Houston. And the idea is to encourage uh, basically starting new things for the sake of the kingdom of God. So whether that's a new business, a new church, a new ministry, whatever it is, it's this idea that, that starting new reaches new. And so to say, let's start new things to, to connect with new people who, who maybe aren't connected to Jesus yet. And so that's the idea behind this. They have little local chapters all over the place. They do a bunch of online stuff. And then um, they do a national conference once a year. And, and it's just kind of bringing folks together that do that. So it was, it's not even like a huge conference. It was like we had, I don't know what, Josh, maybe 400 people there. Uh, that might be a little generous. Is I that say. maybe even a stretch? I'm thinking it was like 250 to 300. Okay, yeah. There so, were a lot of pews roped off and a lot of ushers ushering people into like seven different seats. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it is, 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 but, and that's all right. I mean, it's not necessarily the biggest uh, network of folks, but we just, it's a lot of like-minded folks that, that want to, I don't know, start new things and yeah. do it with uh, a goal of advancing the kingdom. So, Namely, was, the most important thing was that you and I got to hang out for a few days. That's pretty much it. We really did. We really did. Uh, and, and it was glorious. Yeah. I actually, I talked with a dude, though, who, like, he just called me from, he was at another state, and he was at the conference, and he's like, hey, man, were you at 5-2? And I was like, yeah, I spoke. And he goes, oh, we did talk, didn't we? And I was like, no, I didn't talk to you at all. I, I was up front. And he was like, 
no. And <laughs> anyways, Wait, but, what? Uh, yeah, it was it was quite an awkward conversation. I can't go into further details than that, but it was, it was very awkward. Anyways, what isn't awkward is our topic tonight. We are going to be doing some dreaming on the future, future, future. Um, one of the things I don't know, I think about for for both Josh and I, as we think about this conference is like, there's a lot of this dreaming for the future, plotting for the future. We think about that in a ministerial sense. And I think about what does it mean to be the church in the 21st century? What does it mean to be a pastor in the 21st century as we move forward and as technology moves forward? Uh, but I actually had an awesome opportunity uh, a few weeks ago to, to head back to, to Michigan, where I'm from originally, and uh, spent a few hours in a car with one of my, my best friends growing up, who is an, an engineer by trade, but also kind of as a hobby is really getting into what one might call futurism and, and kind of looking at what does the world hold for us uh, in the future and, and what is this all going to mean because technology advances at such a rapid pace. Uh, and so that's what we're going to talk about today is, is futurism. And so we're going to invite uh, my good friend, Carl Schreiber. I'll give you a bio on him in a little bit. Uh, but before we do that, I want to intro our musical guest. And tonight we're talking about the future and what better way to think about the future than to remember the past. Ladies and gentlemen, our musical guest tonight is Queen. Please enjoy Fat Bottom Girls. Oh, you gonna let it all hang out. Fat Bottom Girls, you make the rocking world go round. Uh, well, that was our, our good friend's queen. Uh, it was awesome growing up with them. Really loved Freddie Mercury. Uh, you know, as good a singer as he is, uh, he was even better when we used to play soccer together for AYSO. So it's it's super cool to to, to be friends Neanderthals. with Neanderthals! Come on, church. Anyways, dude, today we are talking futurism, and we are so lucky. We get to have, I mean, literally one of my actual childhood friends. Uh, his name is Carl Schreiber. Uh, we grew up together since second grade. We played Earthworm Jim in his basement. Uh, we just lived the dream. Clay Fighter 63 and a third, if you guys remember that one. Uh, anyways, uh, he's an awesome dude, uh, sharp as you can imagine. Uh, he actually has a job that's useful as opposed to the three of us. Uh, he is an engineer for GM, General Motors. Well, Tom, I guess your job's real too. Um, but, but, Josh and I are useless. Anyways, just post-apocalyptic. That's all I'm thinking about. Anyways. Um, is Carl from the future? Well, we'll get to that. Uh, Carl works for General Motors. He uh, got his degree in engineering from Valparaiso University. Spent a couple of years working for Caterpillar, but has worked for General Motors for the last, like, I don't know, seven years or so. Uh, five years. And um, he most recently, he did work on the Volt. So if you are a Volt driver out there and you're like, Man, my speedometer works so great. Carl's the dude that engineered how your speedometer reads how fast your car is going. Whoa. Uh, so kind of a big deal. But while he's a professional engineer, uh, as a side hustle, he's really gotten into futurism and thinking about what the world's going to be. And, and so we're really excited to talk with him about what that looks like. And so, Carl, we're so honored to have you with us today, man. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, man. I'm flattered. 
Carl, uh, I'm I'm really excited to have you on here because I mean this is a great topic. This is something. I mean, I'm I'm a big I would I, and I don't want to get this confused. I'm a big science fiction geek. I like reading and and watching movies that that do it that have to do with the future. And here you are working in an industry that is, in my opinion, constantly thinking to the future. And uh, if if I was told correctly, you you're working with some of our uh, some of the electrical vehicles, some of the newest technology coming out. Tell us what you know what you're working on now, and what what are we looking at for vehicles in the next five to ten years? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, thank you for that introduction. Um, so, uh, as you stated, I work in the electrification department at General Motors. Specifically, I'm in the group or the team that works on electric motors. Those are the things that make the, the vehicle actually roll down the road instead of an engine, which runs on gas. And um, I think probably in the next five to 10 years, um, you know, it's, it's not just gonna be electrification. Um, I think autonomy is gonna be big. Um, that's gotten a lot of media attention lately and um, it may not be full blown, uh, you know, hand in the, the, the your, your robot driver, your program driver, but, um, it's definitely going to be um, at a stage that, you know, probably seemed unreal 10 years ago, you know, so. Um, well, so what do you mean, Carl, by like autonomous? Are you talking about like self-driving cars? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about, self-driving cars. So um, you're going to get a car and you're going to tell it where you want it to go, the destination, and all you're going to do is hop in there and it'll take you where you need to go. So. I don't know, just like as we think about the future, what is that, I mean, in one sense, I love it because I actually don't like driving and the idea of being able to just like <laughs> sit in my car, at it. what's, I am bad at it. No, I'm not, I'm not offended by I that. Got super car, I, saw, I got super car sick in Austin driving with Gabe on a, a handful of occasions, but I didn't tell him because I felt bad. Wow, you really didn't. This is the first time you've told me that. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. That just sounded really funny yeah. at the time. Guess I'm not sleeping tonight. Um, <laughs> where's my anxiety pills? Anyways, um, but but Carl, so I I like that idea, but but what does that actually mean for the future? I mean, do you think it's going to be democratized? Like like you know, obviously we all know Google's been working on this self-driving car, but it's not like any of us are going to afford that tomorrow. So what is it like? I don't care that we have a car that can self-drive. How does that affect me as your middle-class consumer? Well, um, I mean, I, I think um, it may mean that you don't need a car. So um, things that companies are exploring right now is how this would work in an urban environment, right? You know, public transit is big in public or in urban environments, in metropolitan areas. Um, the idea kind of with the autonomous electric car is that if you live in a city, you won't need a car and you won't need other forms of public transit. You'll just go to your phone and say, I want to ride to point A to point B and a car will show up at your door within 10 minutes and uh, it'll take you where you need to go and then it'll just zip off to the next customer. So each city will have like a fleet of cars that will essentially be the best form of public transit ever because it, it's not, you know, it's not uh, confined to rails or a set path. It'll take you wherever you need to go. Yeah, but and as, it'll do so. Oh, oh, go on. Sorry. I was going to say, as Gabe always tends to think of himself and himself alone, uh, I have a much, a much deeper, larger question, and that is, I feel like that there needs to be some significant infrastructural overhaul 
in order for self-driving cars to happen. I mean, like, I, I don't think, I, at least I'm just not as easy of a believer to say, oh, because like you made it sound so simple and good. I was like, I'm going to, I want to call a self-driving car right now and make this happen. But I feel like there's got to be some significant infrastructure that needs to either be adapted, changed, or completely overhauled for automated cars to, to become commonplace. You know what I mean? Like I just don't see it as being a super seamless transition to where you remove humans and human drivers from the equation. And it's like, Oh, the same roads, the same, you know, interchanges, the same bridges that we have still are the best option for an, for a self-automated vehicle. So, so I think, I think you're right in some areas. So like uh, a form of infrastructure that would probably need to be beefed up or strengthened uh, is actually like, um, the bandwidth capacity of our Wi-Fi networks, right? Uh, like data, the data that exists in the world today is increasing at an exponential rate. You know, 10, 20 years ago, nobody had any sort of sensor on them. Now you have your phone, you're taking a picture every 10 minutes and posting it to Facebook, that's data. That's gotta get stored somewhere. It's gotta uh, get from your phone to wherever the server is and it usually travels through Wi-Fi. Uh, to handle the huge amount of information that would be needed to have a fleet of electric autonomous vehicles running around um, is going to require a lot of infrastructure in that sense. And then um, if, they, if they truly are electric vehicles, which I'm a believer, I'll say that right now, um, you're going to need a, an electric grid that can provide energy, right? If, if everyone yeah. had an electric car today and plugged it in at the same time, I don't think the grid would be able to handle it. It would cause serious issues. But um, as far as like roads and stuff like that, the thought actually is that um, if you have these fleets of autonomous vehicles that are the primary mode of transportation, you can actually reclaim some space in your cities. You won't need the, the huge expressways or the huge roads because traffic will move so efficiently um, and the number of vehicles in the city will be reduced because you won't need to park your car on the side of the street, right? That car is going to be constantly working all day. It's never going to be parked. So you're, gonna parked. Never, you're not going to need parking lots. You're not going to need so, parking structures. Go on, sorry. So th this is this is really great, and this sounds great. You know, as as I was preparing for for this episode, I was uh, just kind of thinking about movies that I've watched that that paint this this picture of, of society in the future. And one of the things that popped into my mind, um, knowing where you were coming from, was the was fifth element. Like, yes, the fifth element, because that's where my mind goes every time. Uh, no, yeah. Minority Report. Uh, in the beginning of Minority yeah. Report, everyone has these little pods that they just jump into and they zip around. These pods are on tracks and you, you'll, you'll, these tracks can take you anywhere you want to go, right? And that's great. Yeah. But I, I grew up in a rural setting. I grew up in a small town in North Dakota. And it's easy for me to imagine this uh, in the city because we're all fairly close. It's densely mm -hmm. populated. Mm -hmm. But then how does this translate to 50 miles outside your city center? How does this translate out into rural America? Because if I'm not mistaken, and here we get our fact-checking thing going again, but a large part of our population still lives in rural America. And I know that the trend is to move to, to urban centers, but not everyone is going to move to the city. So how does, how does that integrate? You're, no, you're absolutely right. Um, so... Obviously, the, the picture that I painted doesn't fit nearly as well in that scenario, and, and you're right to point that out. Um, but the, the electric uh, vehicle movement, I'll call it, and the, the autonomous vehicle movement, um, I, I think they can still be applied in those sort of environments, but not to the same level of effectiveness. You're not going to get the um, 
I guess the, the, the huge gains that you get in a, in an urban environment are not going to be there, but it still offers, um, a lot of improvements, uh, I'll say over the old way, like, uh, another added benefit. Well, cause oh, go on. Yeah. Well, let me, let me float this out there. Well, first of all, can we notice how much nicer Carl is than any of the three of us? Um, secondly, very polite. That's right. That's right. That was the real Carl. Um, but no, I mean, I, I do think though, like, so if I'm living, let's say, because it's the only town in North Dakota I've ever been to, let's say I'm living 30 minutes outside of Fargo, which is yeah. nowhere. Uh, yep. Um, I could maybe though still call a self-automated car because I got a, you know, I got a plane ride to catch. Right. Yep. And so, but I just know that because I live 30 minutes outside of Fargo, it's not going to be there in five minutes or 10 minutes. It's going to be there yep. in yep. 50 minutes. But I'm, if you live 30, my 30 minutes out of Fargo in Castleton, North Dakota, and you live out on a farm and you just need to go into the drugstore, I'm not going to wait 30 minutes for a car. No, then who cares? Then just drive your own car. Right. I mean, is this maybe yeah, only a right. benefit for urban environments? Well, I would just say that you wouldn't have like the fleet of vehicles. I mean, you would still own your own car, but it would be, you know, a similar type of vehicle, uh, electric autonomous. Um, or, you know, if you want to pick up some groceries or something, maybe a drone will deliver it to you and you won't need to go anywhere. Dude, you just let's, in your let's yeah, talk drones, a, man. Yeah, I was actually just talking to someone about this uh, when I was riding along with a police officer on Monday night because we in, in Chattanooga, <laughs> we have a massive uh, Amazon distribution center. And I was complaining because I was like, I love Amazon, but how is it that there's a huge distribution center in my city and I can't get same day shipping yet? You know, because they've been saying they're trying to offer same day shipping. He's like, yeah, just wait till they start rolling out the drones. But I was thinking even in a size city like ours, you know, we only have 180,000 people in our city. I would bet that there's at least 10,000 people who are ordering something from Amazon every day in Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that there's just going to be like, Drones are going to be like flies, and if so, isn't that just going to jack everything up? It could. It could be one of the unforeseen consequences. I mean, those all these ideas are not winners, and uh, you know, you can never really truly predict how it's going to play out. But um, yeah, that, that could be an unintended consequence. Air traffic, right? Like low-level air traffic could be ridiculous. Could blot out the sun, dude. That would. But uh, like the Ten Commandments, like Charlton exactly, Heston, yeah, right? Or, would roll up and be like, I told you guys this was going to happen. Locusts. I told you that. Carl, I'm going to, I'm going to play a little bit of a game here because I know, I know you better than, than anyone else. And, uh, in this, well, maybe anyone else in the world, but at least in this, these, us four here. Um, yep. but if Carl's you know, mom is listening, I bet you she's going to take umbrage with that statement. Hello, Mrs. <laughs> okay. Uh, Lily, you know, yeah, I, I gotta be honest, man. You, what, what do you, how much do you tell your mom when you're a teenager? Right? That's exactly right. Actually, Tom, exactly told, right. Tom told his mom everything. <laughs> <laughs> everything. I had another bad dream, mom. Also, laundry, son. Has, has anyone heard some other human being use the word umbrage in a sentence like Tom just did without even thinking about it? That it was, was so really good, bro. So smooth, Tom. Really good. It, it really was. No, uh, umbrage aside, uh, Carl, so because I know in addition to loving the idea of futurism, I mean, I don't know, you mm -hmm. certainly don't embrace all the ideas, but, but at least you like thinking about it. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
The idea though, I mean, you mentioned this with the cars, the amount of electricity it would take and you're like, yeah, there's no way the grid can handle that right now. Today, today, yeah. Today, today. And so that sort of thing, like what, what do you think about energy? Like what, what do we do with that? Is do we, oh, man. how do we, what's our renewable topic. resource problem? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to, to back up a little bit so kind of how i got into all the futurist thing um and, and let me say i'm not an expert i'm just kind of a like slightly above average casual fan who does some reading and thinking okay carl so you're guy. carl you're an engineer who works on electric vehicles for gm you are yep. an expert you are an expert especially yeah. <laughs> compared to us three i hope so none of my coworkers are watching just roll, with, my it. Just are roll with it i'm sorry we can almost guarantee your coworkers are not listening to this so. <laughs> <laughs> all right well okay then allow me to unload no <laughs> <laughs> All right. So clean energy, that's kind of my, my bag. That's something that I am probably really passionate about. Um, I don't want to politicize it, but you know, like I'm a believer in global warming. I think clean, renewable, green energies are the way of the future. I think they're absolutely the right thing to do. Um, and what's amazing about them is that, you know, all the actual technical hurdles have kind of been overcome. Um, it's just more overcoming the inertia of the existing system to implement them. I mean, it's not going to be easy, but the technology is there to largely move much of the, the grid, the quote unquote yeah. grid to renewables. Um, Cause I feel like I've seen uh, like even, you know, and who knows what you can trust on the internet, but, but I feel like I've seen yeah. things where it's like, if you put, you know, I don't know what it was, maybe like a, a thousand acre solar farm together. It's got to be bigger than that. No, you're, you're right on, you're hitting the nail right on the head. I mean, I can't, right. I can't remember the exact numbers, the magnitude, right. but it was like, if you, if you covered like Arizona, I don't know, two thirds of Arizona and solar panels, you could technically generate enough electricity. It was either for like America, living there anyways. For what? For what? Yeah, like yeah, my house? No, for, to cover the, the energy. Whole country. I, yeah. Yeah. I think it was the whole United States. This is the thing. Uh, Having grown up in North Dakota, which is is a, a huge producer of coal, um, it makes me laugh every single time someone who owns an electric vehicle tells me how much they're saving the earth right now. Yeah, um, their, their energy comes from burning coal. Yep. Yeah. yeah, they're just burning it like crazy. Yeah, you're not burning gas, but you're burning coal coming from North Dakota, which, you know, thanks because our, our economy is doing great in North Dakota. But uh, – Go bison. Yep. Yeah, woo! Five and oh. Uh, so – much like our Vikings, by the way. Just wanted to point that oh, out there. Lord. Thanks a lot, oh, you're absolutely right. Thanks a lot, Gabe, for opening up that can of worms. Dang it! You're, you're you're absolutely right, but it shows it shows a change in mindset, and it's a it's a huge hurdle, right? If everybody starts driving yeah. an electric car, then the overcoming the inertia of the existing system, and then all we have to do is change how we get our energy. Um, so it, it's just it's one of the major hurdles that you know is. It's kind of uh, being overcome like today as we speak, which, you know, is encouraging to see, um, you know, it's slow by human standards. People, electric cars are still a very small minority of vehicles out there, but, um, you know, the, the media attention they get and the reputation that they're gaining, um, it's, it's encouraging. Well, and not to politicize this conversation, but uh, I think it is appropriate due to the fact that it's almost November and the election is actually yep. coming up, but like obligatory, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know, Tom, you brought up the this idea that you know, like, oh, coal is used for energy, but and then Carl, you were talking about the fact that it's just sort of trying to get the inertia to actually accomplish these goals of say moving to other types of electricity. But 
does that set up a fundamental problem or challenge, I guess, to overcome, even when it comes to the economy of future technologies? Because, you know, you hear these, these debates and you hear these arguments made from people in West Virginia as well, like, hey, our entire local economy is going to collapse if we no longer use coal. And it sounds like what you're saying is that it requires this mind shift change to say, hey, there's going to be other ways to make money, other ways to, you know, um, I don't know, to, to create new economies. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, is I, I just wonder, and this is not necessarily a question directly to you, but I guess to the rest of you guys as well. Is that something that that can be overcome? Because I feel like there there are some states like North Dakota that where the coal industry is kind of huge, and I think what we've all seen yeah. is that big businesses and huge corporations are able to throw their weight around more than Greenpeace can, or some of these more renewably minded energy companies. And so, when we talk about not only future technologies, what has to change, or what? can change to actually allow the room for that inertia to gain momentum. Let, let me throw in some like a really dumb opinion and then and then Carl can just set us all straight and that that'll I think that'll set it up nicely. But I mean as far as like West Virginia goes or or North Dakota who who do rely on on these technologies that we're trying <clears throat> to get rid of, you know, one of the things that I think of is you know people are like, well we don't want to cover half of Arizona with with solar panels because that would ruin the landscape and things like that. People are already complaining about all the, um, if you, you drive through Arizona, Arizona. <laughs> great. Huh? they should you cover half of Arizona. Great. Right. You right. go to but Phoenix, but Phoenix is the island. only worthy thing. You know, we should cover the grand Canyon <laughs> in solar panels. Nobody cares. Yeah. Uh, if you Aww. drive through Iowa, you, you see all of these, uh, the, the wind turbines and, and things like that. And people say they're an eyesore, but if you drive through West Virginia, if you drive through North Dakota and you see open pit coal mines, they're not really that beautiful either. And so really? it, it is this fact of changing over the system, changing over now. Yeah. People are going certain States, certain people, certain areas are going to lose jobs and lose their economy, but other places will, will grow. And that's, that's just the nature of the beast, isn't it? I mean, the people who made typewriters got really pissed when the computer came out, right? Yeah, but a typewriter yeah. wasn't like an entire state's industry. It's a fairly decent industry. It I could mean, have been a community's industry, though. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, so well, actually, Carl and I have talked about this, so I'm I'm curious your thoughts on this, Carl, because we had talked about this idea of like labor force moving from you know, maybe hands based, if you will, to like a knowledge based labor force. Yeah. And what, yeah. What does that I mean, mean so for like, the person, though, who doesn't think that way or doesn't work yeah, that way? Yeah, and actually bringing up West Virginia was very appropriate, you know, cold country. And I think the Dakotas are big into shale now, too, right? So um, fracking. I'm sure there are or fracking, yeah, fracking shale, you know. Um, taking a dive recently, but the point still stands. <clears throat> Those yep, mother frackers. Easy yeah, and, and honestly, that, that is, in my opinion, that is probably the saddest part of the story. I mean, um, you know. I call progress one thing, but progress is one of those things that uh, falls along a huge spectrum, right? And want people to find it differently. Um, there would probably, you know, in my my own personal opinion, there would need to be, um, I don't know, some way to try and help those people. I, I don't know if, if the transition will happen fast enough to, you know, completely shut down coal in 20 years. I don't know if it's going to be that rapid, but um but the point is that we're trying to do it eventually, and at some point, at some point in the future, 
the trend the trend looks like we won't be using coal anymore yeah yeah and, and i mean um I, I think part of the problem is that so uh humans i think innately are are very short-sighted right they don't see far beyond their own lifetime that's just kind of like uh and that's that's, sure. that's a very broad generalization but like no, um something like pardon me i was gonna say yeah but it's also super true yeah 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 you're good you're yeah. good so so it's it's um something like computers replacing typewriters right it's seen kind of as a natural move of the economy we go yay capitalism look how awesome you are and that's that's probably not going to be the way you know a lot of this energy change takes place um partly because it's it's on a long timeline right um depending on who you listen to you know i mean it's it's maybe only within a few lifetimes that will do real damage to to gaia to mother earth but um to human that's still reference to to a you know a 35 year old parent who's trying to feed their kids you know you can't how can you blame them for for being upset with it um that you being said i think I'm, tom did I, did I? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I yeah. was wondering why your face looked a little darker tonight, Tom. It's all that sick. <laughs> <laughs> I got the black lung pop. I got the black lung pop. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it, the, the human toll is a real concern. It's probably the um, I, don't, I don't know if this is the right word. The saddest part of the story, but I, I don't think it should be an impediment to to this movement towards clean energy. Um, we got to take a bigger picture and we got to try and help these people, you know, along the way. <clears throat> so here, here's the question. Cause I, I just heard, heard us talk just a little bit about moving from, from a, what did you call it? A hands-based economy. Uh, yeah. Economy. Yeah. Let's go back there. Yeah. yeah. To, to a knowledge-based economy. I, you know, I think when I hear that, I automatically think of uh, a, a more highly educated society and culture and I'm not sure that's necessarily possible or even a good thing because there are there are many people out there for any number of reasons who don't want to pursue a higher education past sure. high school or or yeah. past a, a, a bachelor's degree or something like that. You know, we can't all be working at a think tank, you know. Tom, that's yep. probably why they're going to start making robot humans in the future who are just inherently computer smart because they are yes. computers. Touche. That, yeah. That's what yeah. I want. There we go. Conversation. Well, and that's true. Let's hang let's, it up, folks. Honestly, though, let's move into that because I think AI is a real option, right? I mean, Adobe Illustrator. I have it on not my Adobe right Illustrator, now. Josh. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. Artificial intelligence, right? Is that not, I mean, we're kind of making pretty big strides in that, or am I wrong on that, Carl? I mean, that's, that's my understanding. I just saw an advertisement for 60 Minutes where the interviewer was interviewing a robot, and it, it was answering back. That's wild. So, yeah, I mean, autonomous vehicles are just kind of a – a low-grade form of AI, more or less. Um, there, there, there have been big, big advances in the uh, the computing world the last few years that have really pushed it. Right? You got voice recognition right now. You can talk to your phone and it talks back. You got supercomputers beating chess players and board game players. Um, I think it was Watson or yeah. Google's DeepMind or whatever beat some Korean guy at a at a game that's like twenty times more complex than chess. Um. 
So, you know, it's well, let's, it doesn't seem very far off. Yeah, let's chat about that. Gabe, um, what do you think the competence level of Siri is? I heard you talking <laughs> to her in the car. <laughs> that's my that's my girlfriend you're talking about. Be careful. No. Sorry, Carl. Sorry, Carl. Uh, no, yeah. No, well, I mean, I'm being, I'm sort of being serious because, like, I think we've all experienced that frustration where we can see the potential on the horizon, and yet it's almost as if, as much as the technology is advancing, it still falls short to actually replicate and mimic human dialogue. That's yeah, yeah, but I mean, think, think of how many, uh, like, think about getting served at a restaurant or putting parts on a car as it goes down the assembly line. Maybe not nearly as complex um, candidates, but they, you know, so they would be near future candidates for, you know, robots or AI or some sort of non-human worker, right? But do you think? I mean, do do you think there's <clears throat> a? I mean, I just think of like the Jetsons, right? They had that. I don't know what her name was, but like that one robot chick who was like their yep, maid. The maid. Do you think that's possible? Like, do you think that day is coming where it's like the maid? Like we literally have robot maids. I, 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 I do. So I mean, I know you have a robe, but like that's still we're that's nothing, right? Or RoboCop. A RoboCop, <laughs> legit, right? He'll probably he'll probably kill a fewer young black men than our other police officers. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, yeah. Shots yeah. fired. Colorblind. Colorblind. Yep. Pow pow. Mm -mm. So when I think when I think about artificial intelligence, we you know I think about. Uh, nanotechnology that's self-replicating. Uh, we think about uh, yeah, artificial computer. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> no I'm going that part, but but the the technology yeah, know, that exists right now. Um, and and <laughs> I often think back to you know a comment we hear on TV shows and things like that. Um, we'll take a you know the it's not our place to play God here. Mm. You know, and here we have. We have we have created technology that can re recreate itself. We have created technology that is almost sentient. And when you think about um, uh, about those the earliest books of the Bible, where where you have where you have Adam and Eve in, in the garden that that almost gained too much knowledge, or you have uh, the people who are building the Tower of Babel, and because they want to be like God, and and, and God knocks them down mm -hmm. a peg. Like, mm -hmm. aren't we? Like I'm an I was an architecture major in college, and every time I started designing a skyscraper, I was like, "Well, this has got to be ten times bigger than whatever those guys in Babel were trying to make." You know, like it's <laughs> yeah, right, right. Smite me? Like, why hasn't God smited us again? He has. It's 2016 in the United States. Have you paid attention to the election cycle? <laughs> yeah, Donald Trump is almost our president. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so bad. No, you're you're right though. I mean, there are definitely um, you know like moral implications. I'll call them. Um, those are those are great questions, and I don't I don't, I don't know. No, That's, I think varied answers depending on who you talk. I to. don't even. We could get to the moral implications of of a lot of the things that we're talking about, but let's just think about the theological implications because we see several times in the Bible where where God is like, let's not get too big for our britches. And I feel like we have far surpassed anything that has ever been talked about. And so maybe resident theologians here, you can weigh in on this. Unfortunately, I don't think we'll, we will ever be able to answer that question because you don't typically see, like we're looking at all those stories where we see human beings 
in your words, get too big for their britches and then God punishes them. So, I mean, like, I don't know if we'll necessarily see until subsequent generations if, well, I mean, I don't even know if we could actually say that because we're, we're outside of the inspired word of God to sound super evangelical. Well, I mean, the, the reality is, Tom, I think what you're getting at is we don't have a good, what I would call theology of technology. Like mm-hmm. we, we don't have a functioning theology of technology. Whereas literally, the, as far as I know, the, the only religious group in the world that has a theology of technology are the Amish. Uh, and quite yeah. seriously, right? They uh, say, what hey. About, what about Scientology? I don't know enough about it. Do they have something? Yeah, they got that like machine that they hook up to your brain and then like uh, you get the South Park said it's true, so it must be true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But okay, so Scientology. Okay. Yay, Mary. Okay, the Amish, you're okay. right. But you're anyways, right. the Amish. Okay, so legitimate religious group. So at any rate, that's really harsh, isn't it? Well, that's not really. It's silly. Okay, so at any rate, uh, so the Amish though, like they, they have one, right? They're like, at this point and no further shall technology advance. Um, we don't really have it. And, and so I don't, I don't know how to answer that time because the, the issue with Babel, for example, was not that they were building a tower. It's that they were building a tower. And maybe this is your point though, so that, uh, they could reach divinity that they could be God in a sense. And well, so let, let me take you into, into the mind, or at least my mind a little bit. When, when I decided that I wanted to be an architect, you know, you study these people like, like I am pay or, uh, any, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright. Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah. There, there's no, you know, and you kind of want to be the architect that says, Oh, that's a Frank Lloyd Wright building. Oh, that's a Tom O'Neill building, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, that it's so recognizable that's your style. That's your thing. Yeah. You know, that that's a Tom O'Neill building. <laughs> and, and isn't that getting a little bit too? Look at the impressive thing that I built. This thing that defies gravity. This thing that is, you can't even imagine how it's built, but I designed it. I built it. Yeah. I mean, that's getting a little bit to, to, this, to this story of Babel, right? Dude, so that's that whole balance though, right? Because, and, and this ties into actually the first 11 chapters of Genesis is, you know, God is the ultimate creator, right? However you want to read the first couple chapters of Genesis, God's the creator. That's the bottom line. Yep. And, yep. And, and then we as creations are made in his image and we're made to create, right? He yep. says, hey, here's the earth, cultivate it, do something with the stuff I've made. And so then the tension comes in as to say, what's the balance of that? Like, how much have I taken what you've given us, God, and taken it so far that I've elevated myself into your place versus I've taken what you've given me as a gift and I've utilized it to the best of my ability for your glory? Yeah, because I I don't fall, I really don't fall on the side that creating self-replicating technology is somehow dabbling in the realm of God's creative, you know, and, and sort of divine right in that sense, no. because it's like that. I mean, it's, it's to speak to exactly like what Gabe was saying, like human beings, like, okay. So when they took iron ore and fashioned it into weapons, were they playing God by then by crafting these weapons that, would take, yeah. that would take the lives of other human beings into their hands? Like, no, they were using these resources that were inherently part of creation in order to sort of advance technologically. No, and I'll I'll even take it even further. Yeah, 
to cloned uh, cloned organs and and even cloned let's say cloned human beings to let's pretend we could bring people back from the dead like that's not that is not like the the end all be all of what God is all about just because it, it, in your point to your point Gabe if God says go and create and go and do the things that I've created you to do within what is possible here. And if, if that's possible, then it's possible. God has, God has created us to be able to do those things. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we are not going to be masters of the universe. Right. And, and I think part of me says like, that's the whole deal is to recognize that we're not like, there's no way we can like the only free being in the world, in the universe, is God. No one else is, we're not actually free, right? Like, if you think you're free, go swim underwater for 30 minutes. You're going to die. Like, it's just, not, apart from a tank, like, you're, you're not free. And so there's these inherent limits we have because of how we're created. And, and so I think it's, it's recognizing we have those limits and that there's something above us. But when we start thinking we're the end-all, be-all, that to me is where I feel like we start to run into trouble. And that's the final word, I guess. I think you've given us, uh, you know, just a ton to think about here as far as uh, what's coming next and how does it, how does it impact, how does it impact my life? Where is it, you know, I'm thinking about, I mean, I'm thinking about what I do. I, I, I help raise money for, to feed hungry people. We got two pastors in here and how is a, a material that is three atoms thick, how is that going to impact our our role, how is that going to impact our jobs? Uh, yeah. You know, this is something to think about and, and maybe it will just in, intersect our lives in different ways, but not impact our jobs, or maybe it will, who knows? Um, all great things to think about. So we're going to let you think about that as we go to break right now. Um, we're going to listen to a uh, little bit more Queen because, you know, we're friends with them and we can... Uh, there are BFFs. Stop yeah. bringing attention to it. Stop bringing attention. Shh, shh. Deep play. Down play. Down play. Queen. Enjoy some queen. Deep play. What the heck? Shut up, Jeff. Well, if you're actually listening to this episode, then you know we weren't sued by the label that has produced all of Queen's albums, and we will be able to continue producing Pine Class Preachers. So thanks, Tom. Thanks, Gabe, for potentially throwing our entire podcast under the bus. You're welcome. I'm glad. Listen, I'm- America thanks all of no. us for ending this horrific charade. Oh, boy. All right. Not well, like the hey. last 15 episodes haven't done anything to kill our chances. 16, <laughs> Tom. 16. <laughs> Do you even listen oh, to our episodes? Do you even know? You don't even know how many we have. Okay. I'm going to calm down now and take some time to thank Carl Schreiber. Carl, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Um, actually bringing some legitimacy to our conversation. Mm-hmm. About- <laughs> and oh, more man. important. Thank you guys for having me. 
Yeah, dude, you're welcome anytime. But more importantly, go back to your company, GM, and give them a massive shout out from Pine Glass Preachers because we love their washers. We love their. Oh, wait. That's Jamie. <laughs> oh. oh. Nice one. Okay. I, I just read your love all the same, though. Yeah, I, God, the spirit of it. That was, that was just <laughs> way too underhanded. Thank you for their vehicles. Okay. But, but, Carl, if you could talk to the social responsibility department of your company and if they would like to sponsor our our show um we will certainly advertise gm vehicles all day we have long. we have some corporate openings know. available we have some corporate sponsor openings yep yep Tell Make sure Carl, pass dozens of people listen to this show <laughs> you maybe, guys are a big deal hey, yep. maybe even a baker's dozen tucked away hey, in there yeah. somewhere uh anyway if you want to know who's ultimately responsible for burning a hole in the ozone layer then visit axe church leander <laughs> everyone in texas uh not only steals all the oil of the world but then exploits the rest of america <laughs> by charging many many times its actual worth texas if you forever instead of going into the future and you want to take a step back in time you can come to Chattanooga, Tennessee, where Bridge City Community continues to fight against racism and segregation. <laughs> but if you just want to hang out somewhere in the middle and be level-headed and just eco-conscious when it comes to your fellow human beings, then why don't you contact Tom O'Neill as he strives to feed not only this nation's poor, but the world's poor. Secondharvest.org. Okay, I was trying to leave like a very heavy meaningful pause right there and you ruined it tom so purposely okay anyway <laughs> uh and janet Last call you guys are great great i don't, I don't, I don't know what i don't episode. know what we were supposed to do from that i was last i was shouting out we introduced the last episode Carl. i, know, but I was okay. talking to janet our most beloved listener and you interrupted with the last call well it took too long Here's I'm to you, I'm, Janet. I'm escaping. All right. So next episode, we are going to have uh, some dear friends uh, of mine uh, join the show. They have their own podcast uh, where they uh, they review movies on a regular basis. And so we're going to get them on. We're going to talk about uh, well, we're going to kind of go back to the the film industry. We're going to talk about upcoming movies. We're going to talk about what that means for uh, you know kind of the cycle of how movies come out and all this jazz. Who knows where the conversation will lead. It'll be a good time. Might be just a little lighter than our last couple episodes, but it'll still be good. But is their podcast as good as ours? Their podcast is probably pretty pretty good. All that being <laughs> said, we do thank our faithful listeners, and uh, thank you especially to those of you that are regulars. Uh, we appreciate the support, and, and uh, everyone else there, out there that wants to become one, uh, we certainly encourage that, pintglasspreachers.com. You can check us out on all the usual social media links, Pint Glass Preach, Pint Glass Preachers, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever works. Join the conversation. Love having you guys be a part of it. Thanks for being with us tonight. Peace. Thanks Game again to our over. special guest, Carl. Game